nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is November the 18th, 2003. And George W. and Laura Bush are off to visit the Queen. They're off to London to visit the Queen. Yes, along with... Yes, Tony Blair. Oh, how I loved what Glenda Jackson had to say about Tony Blair and George W. Glenda Jackson is now a member of Parliament in the UK after her long career as one of the great actors of our time. She was here in San Francisco recently. She gave a speech over at the Commonwealth Club that... uh, just knocked me out. They ran it on a couple of local NPR stations. Oh, that such a woman could be a head of state. Oh, that would be my, my utopian world. That would be, um, my poet's kingdom. Wow. Glenda Jackson is the daughter of a bricklayer and a charwoman. She said that, uh, The acting, you know, she said it was a bit of a drag over time, the glamour part. Anyway, (laughs) she said that her mother did like those awards, you know. She kept the Oscars and Emmys. She kept them on a table for the visitors to come and see. But the thing Glenda Jackson liked most, she said, was that her mother polished the awards, polished them so much that the surface glitter, the gold, came off, and, of course, she said, no, the awards are just base metal. That is appropriate. She said she could appreciate that. In any case, she called for Tony Blair to resign as the Prime Minister of Britain to step down, as he has obviously mucked up the Middle East along with uh, George Bush's boys. It's all pretty clear, at least. On her side of the pond, she was careful to explain how very different our political systems are. You know, the UK um, is pretty straightforward. Uh, she said that our system here in the United States is so cumbersome that even she can't figure it out. Well, and of course she said uh, that the states, all the, the level of um, government at the state level is... Uh, so complicated, and there's no real comparison um, as far as our political systems go. For example, in Britain, um, you may be aware, uh, you cannot buy an election, at least not outright. I'm sure there's uh, influence everywhere on the planet, but uh, in Britain, there is something called <laughs> campaign finance control. Yes, you can't. You just can't run all those ads and um, buy the government. I thought about all that this morning. I was watching 
Mrs. Bush and uh, her husband George headed out for London and I searched through my bookcase. I was looking for English nursery rhymes. I thought, we need a parody. We need a laugh. God knows we need a laugh. I thought, we'll rewrite something and send it off to the newspaper to commemorate this visit of our head of state to the old country. Aha. The last president to sleep in Buckingham Palace was Woodrow Wilson in 1918. Let's see, this This current visit is a state visit. There's a state visit, official visit, triumphal visit. That was Woodrow Wilson. His was a triumphal visit. Anyway, whatever category it falls into, I remember that the Reagans, they slept at Windsor Palace. Um, anyway, I was looking for my A.A. A. Milne poems, the ones about Christopher Robin. You remember Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh? My favorite titles for the poems are uh, the little collection, When We Were Very Young and Now We Are Six. And I can't believe it, but I've given away my last copies of those two precious memory gems. Um, I can always get more, but uh, I'll go over to my favorite used bookstore, the Abandoned Planet Bookstore in San Francisco. It's there in the Mission. They have the best deals ever on children's books. I don't know how they manage it because other used bookstores are raising the prices. I cling to my children's books these days. I'm never going to let them go. They're much too precious to give to the children. In the meantime, in between time, I know that uh, at KPFA there are scores of Anglophiles in our audience. And I, I just... Uh, beg you to write some parodies and send them off to the newspapers or send them to me. Let's see. You remember the poems. They're changing guard at Buckingham Palace. Christopher Robin went down with Alice. Let's rewrite it to... They're quadrupling the guard at Buckingham Palace. Georgie Bush is met with malice. And so forth and so on. Very easy for rewrites. Yep. Half the British police force has been called up. <laughs> yes, I think of all those. Yes, and they're buskers and they're... The British cops have to protect our president from the people of Britain. Oh, shoot. I guess W has his own security guards. They say that he's taking uh, bodyguards and so forth. But uh, the problem is that our boys, the um, Secret Service, well, they routinely carry guns. The British police don't. So what's going to happen if one of our cowboys overreacts and shoots a Brit? I mean, the mayor of London is leading the protest. Uh, he's out there protesting in the streets with the other good citizens. Apparently the word is that our hired guns will not be exempt from prosecution if they lose it and shoot a protester. Popular game in our country these days. It seems to me that that's all very uncool, very un-British. No wonder the Queen is in a snit. There are these uh, smart alecks all over England putting up signs uh, for the benefit of George Bush, telling him that uh, she is Elizabeth II, not Elizabeth XI, that sort of thing. I can't help thinking 
of Queen Elizabeth's visit here some years ago. You remember, uh, well, she's been here a couple of times. Nancy Reagan took Queen Elizabeth to soundstage number five at 20th Century Fox. And she was quoted in time as saying, Come, come and see my kingdom. <laughs> back in, back in the eighties, uh, well, it was the wedding of, um, Princess Diana, dear Diana Spencer. Apparently, Nancy Reagan expected to be on an equal footing. When she went to the wedding, she got to London and she was there at the wedding of the princess and, uh, she discovered that she was to be seated. She was to dine with um, Maggie Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, the prime minister, her counterpart, that is, the um, the political leader, ruler of Britain. Nancy seemed to feel that she should be seated at the Queen's table on such an occasion. <laughs> it's all about, it's all about primate grandiosity, folks. Uh, I guess, you know, it's just, they're stuck in their roles. They believe their own publicity or something. Um, George W. Bush is certainly freeze-dried in his role. He's only a nerd in a gilded cage. I was trying to think of something even worse to say about him, but I don't think that's appropriate. Uh, I think George Bush is a cipher. It's not clear to me exactly what his role is these days. Uh, he does uh, terrify me, as the mayor of London has pointed out. He's probably one of the greatest threats to uh, human survival to come along in many years. He he, uh, he seems to be, uh, what is that, under cotton. He's only told what he wants to hear. Uh, they say that was the same, there was the same thing with Saddam Hussein. Only the people that, um, you know, sycophants, people who tell him what he needs to, what he wants to hear, are accepted. Apparently, they're going to keep him away from the protesters if they can manage it. I'd almost feel sorry for Tony Blair if he weren't such a, well, a Christian crusader um, underneath all that um, uh, bright, brittle exterior. Tony Blair is just as big a booby as um, R. Bush. He um, He's a uh, true believer, you know. And they're both Christian crusaders out to do battle with the infidel. They see the present conflict as a holy war between Islam and Christianity. I can't help wondering how true believers ever got these jobs running. Secular nations, yes. My mother used to say over and over again, we live, she said, we live, thank God in a secular nation. Ah, hard to know, folks, hard to know. Arnold Schwarzenegger used an old Bible, um, an ancient, well, an 18-something Bible, to take his oath as governor of California. Arnold, very interesting case, Arnold, class-wise. Let's deconstruct Arnold. An Austrian Ubermensch, certainly an Aryan, Superman with Maria Shriver as his Uber-wench. Can a bodybuilder be a serious person in our culture? It's kind of like being, you know, a, a 
woman in a beauty contest, but of course, it is, um, you know, um, it is uh, the sort of thing that people do when they are uh, trying to get to the top. I mean, are we a democracy or not? He is an achiever. He's certainly um, a businessman. He's got his, his uh, I think he's got a master's in business administration, isn't it? Um, can a film star be an aristocrat? Uh, Jackie Kennedy had <laughs> much to say about that, yes. I, I'm not sure. Um, I was raised in the era when we were delighted that Cary Grant had become an aristocrat, um, a working class boy born Archie Leach, you remember? He, um, well, they say he slept with some of the right people. But there he was. He came from Liverpool and he became Cary Grant. He created himself and he turned himself into an American aristocrat. And I could go on at great length about all the rest of them, from Kate Hepburn, who was born an aristocrat, at least she thought so, uh, to, let's see, Maria Shriver, a woman who I think would have preferred not to be in the fast lane. She says she's kind of tired. Uh, that's Arnold's wife. She's the niece of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And the mother of four, she wanted to be, what was it? Uh, oh, well, she is or was a media star. She was an anchor woman. You know, she read the lines. Uh, whether or not she was a serious journalist depends on your point of view. Uh, her mother, Eunice Shriver, let's see, with that nasal voice, is, of course, the sister of um, the martyred John Fitzgerald Kennedy. I would imagine that Arnold uh, thought he was marrying into our royal family here. And I would say that's pretty close. Uh, some folks even say that Arnold had his eye on Caroline Kennedy, President Kennedy's daughter at one time many, many years ago. I don't know about that. But um, during this swearing-in, uh, when Arnold was sworn in as the new governor of California uh, after the recall election, Maria Shriver read a passage written by the poet Maya Angelou. Now, it was a very, let's call it progressive, left-wing passage. Maya Angelou is usually characterized as a, um, a lefty, possibly. She read the her poems at Clinton's inauguration, and apparently Maria did everything she could to bring the, let's call it the, um, the cultural left, over to Arnie's side. You know, um, it's hard, you know, they're trying to um, get a constituency going here because, of course, the plan, folks, the plan is for Arnold to be in the White House in 2008. I'm telling you, you heard it here. Um now, Maria is, of course, used to the political scene, but uh, I noticed she misread her script. That presages something, something maybe it was on the teleprompter. Uh, I only heard her on radio. I didn't, I didn't watch the thing. I find it hard to look at them, but I, I did listen to it on the radio. I don't know if she had a written text. Anyway, uh, Arnie was letter perfect. Absolutely perfect. 
not a slip-up anywhere. His performance was a triumph. Triumph of the will is what I call that, yes. I have no doubt that Orrin Hatch will push through this new amendment, constitutional amendment. He um, put it forth in the Senate Judiciary Committee quietly. This constitutional amendment will permit a foreign-born citizen to run for the presidency, um, the requirement being that he or she has been a citizen for 20 years. That's exactly the length of time that Arnie has been a citizen. Okay, I predict that in the year 2008, we will be looking at a race for the presidency here in the U.S. of A., and Arnold Schwarzenegger will be the Republican who runs against Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, that one, folks, I don't know. It's just one of those images that I like to uh, run past you, say what you think. If you have your copies of the New Yorker magazine, you will find a fascinating profile of Hillary Clinton in the October the 13th issue, fairly recent issue, should be in the library. Uh, photographed by Richard Avedon, the whole thing. Hillary Clinton. HRC, I call her. I like to call her Rodham because I remember the fellow who was the head of the Christian crusade. He used to say that Washington was not Sodom and Gomorrah. It was Rodham and Gomorrah now. Anyway, uh... She says that she learned from her mistakes. It's funny. The Avedon picture just shows her laughing broadly, all her teeth. She looks like um, my favorite eighth grade school teacher. It's probably the best choice for the picture. Anyway, um, it's about her arrival in the Senate. And uh, I don't know. I, I find it interesting how many of my friends, how many women I know just don't like Hillary. It's hard to say. What is it about the do-gooder woman that turns people off? Here's what Hillary says about um, Bush and his stewardship. <laughs> yes, especially the stewardship of the economy, she says. I'm absolutely convinced that the administration's policy is the wrong medicine. They have the same diagnosis and treatment for everything. Tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts. Meanwhile, she argues, the administration's short-sightedness on domestic security has left our country deeply vulnerable to another September 11th-like attack. She, she states, quote, I alternate between frustration and outrage mixed with head-slapping amazement that we're not doing more. Maybe... Maybe we'll get really, really, really lucky and nothing bad will ever happen again, but I can't in good conscience operate from that assumption. I'm with her on that one. Uh, I think that Hillary, Mrs. Clinton, uh, is probably as good as it gets for the Democrats. I uh, was moved by Ted Kennedy this week. He so old now, so uh, so gray, and of course he is the last Kennedy. He staggered up to the podium there on uh, 
the Senate floor, you know, he was on C-SPAN, and he referred to the Neanderthals, the people that he called right-wing turkeys, or Rush Limbaugh is in a, in a twit, because he says, Ted should be thrown out of the Senate for using the word Neanderthal, right? I, I'm glad that Ted Kennedy has the guts to talk that way, but Hillary won't, Hillary won't shoot off her mouth on that level, I think. I think she's probably playing for um, the presidency. But I don't know, characterizing the neocons as Neanderthals is an insult to those uh, ancient people, as far as I can tell. Uh, Ted Kennedy, of course, was talking about the filibuster that stopped those right-wing judges. Uh, there were six judges up for the federal bench. Way, 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 way to the far right. And uh, the Democrats managed to stop them. I was so proud of Barbara Boxer. She kept up the filibuster. She said, it's quarter to midnight, and I'm just beginning to perk up. And she pulled out more and more charts. <laughs> the women worked so hard to stop that. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, It's a kick to see Ted Kennedy say that for Thanksgiving, he wants to send back all the right wing turkeys i i hope they uh they keep it up i don't think we can count on it but uh it's difficult it's difficult um who was it said that um you know there's something about lefties they're always ashamed to to be quite well the newt gingrich crowd you know stooped so low um i i like to think that the liberals the far left can never be quite as despicable as the far right, but I'm probably wrong. Always when you get your one idea, folks, you know, the basically totalitarian folks, things get grim. Those are the people who own the truth, you know. Their religion is the only religion. Their story is the only story. Uh, let me go through this piece on Hillary Clinton. I wanted to give you just a few more bits and pieces and then I, I always have at least three things too much. I wanted to take a few minutes to tell you about the movie called Shattered Glass. Uh, not that I recommend it. It's the movie about um, ethics in journalism and of course a lot of KPFA listeners will care about that sort of thing. Uh, I'm not sure if the movie's worth $10 but it's all about uh, Stephen Glass, you know, the guy who who messed it up? Um, anyway, let me finish up with Hillary. I want you to check this out. If you're the least bit interested in who's going to run for president in the next Democratic uh, election, I think that, I think that, well, 2004, I, I just don't even want to think about that. I just don't want to think about it. I was hoping Wesley Clark would would bloom, but I, I'm just not sure. I'm aiming for 2008, and I'm thinking about Hillary Clinton, uh, there are some people who think that we won't get uh, a renaissance in this country until we have a woman in the White House. It's a kind of romantic fantasy, but so so were the Kennedys. Um, God knows if they were real. Um, when you study the facts, sometimes it doesn't seem that the Kennedys were uh, anything special, but... In the arc of my lifetime, uh, from this perspective, they look pretty good. I remember making fun of her pillbox hats. I'm sorry I did that now. Uh, anyway, uh, 
Hillary Clinton is struggling, you know, to establish herself in the Senate and make herself uh, indispensable. What I love, of course, are the Pepto-Bismol suits, the bright pink. <laughs> her efforts to please, you know, change her hairstyle to suit the folks. Uh, her listening tour, you know, her show of humility. This whole business of turning yourself into what the people want. It's the opposite of what an artist wants to do in life. Uh, she wants to be profoundly non-controversial. What was it? Somebody here accuses her of having undergone a controversectomy. Good Lord, poor lady. She's trying everything she can to uh, do the right thing. Uh, who knows at the point at which her compromises will wipe her out. I love the bits here about Giuliani. Uh, Rudolph Giuliani says, never really bothered to engage Hillary Clinton as a serious rival. When he mentioned her at all, it was usually to make fun of her. <laughs> mistake. Big mistake. My favorite here is her efforts to present what I would call a dignified face to the world in spite of her husband's uh, nonsense. One trip to Buffalo, yes. She was asked on live radio whether she had ever slept with Vince Foster. Hmm. The interview left her staff deeply rattled. But um, she proceeded to go to work. She went to a lunch crowd at the local senior center, paused at every table to shake every hand as if nothing had happened. They go on to insist that the woman is actually listening. On the other hand, um, this profile indicates, and I'm not sure uh, whether you want to believe all this, but she indicates it's Elizabeth Colbert. She writes very nice profiles, but I think she's right about one thing. She says that Hillary, unlike her husband, Bill Clinton, does not draw oxygen, you know, energy, from these huge crowds of people. I think she's going against her deepest nature. She's a woman who is all self-discipline. I don't know where she gets this Eleanor Roosevelt um, obsession with helping people. Um, ambition and self-sacrifice, both together. Let's see. Here's a woman at one of the readings, one of the uh, readings, Hillary's uh, around the country showing off her book. It's called Living History. Uh, one of the women at the reading says, anyone who is willing to do what she has done to be in public service is a hero. I suppose that is, that is what she gets her gold star for, her silver star, gold star. The fact that she has endured now, whether that is enough to get you into the presidency of this nation, I am not quite sure. Uh, hard to say, folks. Check it out. Um, here is a little list <laughs> in response to a question about what his wife brought to the Senate. Bill Clinton offered the following list. This is what Bill thinks about his wife's qualifications. She likes people. She cares about their problems. 
She knows how to make good policies. She's brilliant and works very hard. She fights for what she believes in, doesn't give up. She's always reaching out for new allies, including Republicans. She loves her country and her state. She's always thinking about what life will be like for our children and their children. It's pretty generic, folks. I'm going tonight to see Michael Parenti, who is appearing at Wheeler. Free event, folks. Uh, wait a minute. No, it's not Wheeler. It's at Dwinnell Hall. 7 p.m. tonight, folks. 155 Dwinnell Hall on the UC campus. Michael Parenti. When America rules the world, corporate globalism versus democracy. That's a free event on the campus tonight, 7 o'clock in Dwinnell. If you want to hear Michael Parenti. This is uh, from the Associated Students of Vista Community College. We'll go see Mike. Till Tuesday at 8.20, this has been Jennifer Stone. Go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Please join Amy Goodman, Nicole Sawaya, and many more in a fundraising benefit for historian and writer Matthew Lazar who is nearing completion of the history of our struggle to save Pacifica and KPFA and of our victory. In order to finish the book, Matthew needs our help. Join us at the home of KPFA, 1929 Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Berkeley near University Avenue. Celebrate our victory on behalf of the Pacifica Radio Network with two great women in media, Friday evening, November 21st, from 6 to 8 p.m., $25 donation at the door. For more information, call 415-392-6965. See you there. This is 